Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 68 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course, the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe to the show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Joining me today is my co-host, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you? I'm good, Larry. How are you? Uh, Operating at about 50% these days, finding it hard to get a leg up on things, but you know. (laughs) Uh, That was a good joke. (laughs) Gotta go with the leg humor every once in a while, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad you have a sense of humor about it. Not that I, I mean, I knew you always did, but it's good that when it comes out. Yeah, yeah. I got, got to keep myself a little sane sometimes, you know. No, <laughs> I'm doing all right. The uh, the girls, on the other hand, over here are just uh, had Hannah home a couple days sick, and uh, Alex was home yesterday sick, and she's still home, and Christy's home sick now. I'm a, damn girls going to school, fucking petri dish of disease, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> That, oh. that time of year i know i'm just like they're all they're coming home I'm like hey how you doing i'm like yeah i'm, I'm good just to, like to stay away a little bit <laughs> <laughs> so it's like uh but yeah i'm just uh everything's good otherwise they're surviving just uh the cold and all that bullshit i'm just like yeah don't get me sick please <laughs> so. get your get your flu shot larry yeah see the thing is i don't get a flu shot because every time i've gotten a flu shot i ended up really sick no, gotcha. So I'm like, fuck that noise. Then the thing is, is like, Christy, like, the girls all got flu shots. And they're all fucking sick. So I'm like, yeah, I'm just like, I'm good. <laughs> but anyway, Jeremy, it's, uh, we got wrestling to talk about. We do. A lot of wrestling to talk about. That's right. We had a, another great Wednesday night, and then we got the War Games and Survivor Series shows coming up. So we will start, as usual, with AEW Dynamite. For uh, November twentieth, two thousand nineteen, and uh, we uh, we did not mess around. We were pretty much straight to the ring after commentary welcomed us to the show. A little bit of video stuff for Phoenix versus Nick Jackson. It was Nick Jackson's first singles match since the Best of the Super Juniors in two thousand fifteen. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't remember the two thousand fifteen match because that was forever ago, and especially in the world of wrestling, but. This match ruled Phoenix. I, I think I've said it last week. I think I've said it plenty of times. Like Phoenix can be a major single star for the the company, and you know he he goes out there and he just delivers every single time out. And as we saw later on, Pentagon's kind of a dork, so let Phoenix shine. <laughs> yeah, he's a little bit of a dork these days. Um, yeah, this uh. Great opener, uh, fucking balls of the wall sprint. I loved it. Uh, great way to kick off a show. And as you kind of just mentioned, I I also talked about it. it. Reinforces the thought that I had that the Lucha Bros are going to be more viable long term as single players. I mean, they are a great tag team. They can always reunite on and off. But um, I mean, you just see Phoenix here, and I don't understand how you couldn't see the guy as a single star. Um, great match, some innovative stuff, flawless execution at times. There was even actually a point, it's kind of weird to say flawless execution, but Phoenix kind of like slipped and botched on a springboardy deal, but ended up turning it into something perfectly fine. Like you really wouldn't have noticed unless you were deadly staring at it. 
Um, so just, yeah, I, I love this. Phoenix winning obviously made the most sense. And commentary actually spoke about this. I think it was Excalibur talked about how, um, well, Phoenix has the advantage because he just wrestled a singles match 23 days ago, and this is nothing new for him. He does it regularly. I did not to name drop, but I spoke with Phoenix at StarCast, and he, he says he, he loves tag team wrestling. He loves singles wrestling. He just loves to wrestle. Well, I mean, he only, you know, he was only wrestling like 19 times a fucking week for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Phoenix is Phoenix is nuts, and the, the, I I know the spot you're talking about where it looked like it may have been a, a slip-up or a botch, but he, he's so good that he covered it well. There was some stuff where it's like, you could tell it's it's very, like, let me stand here, get in my spot, and, and wait for you, but, like, it wasn't super noticeable unless you just pay attention to that stuff like we do. I, I don't like, and this might sound old man, and I realize that it's, I, I realize it's almost a, just a dead point. The, the super kicks and cutters, like Phoenix is hitting cutters on the floor, and then he's hitting more inside, and he's getting like two counts or nothing counts out of him. These guys need to talk to Shawn Michaels and Randy Orton and, and ask them for their secret on how they make their super kicks and cutters so strong, because all these other guys are doing it, and they can't beat anybody with it. The Young Bucks have joked about that for years. They're like, we need to meet with Shawn and ask him, how do you win with one super kick? Yeah. Uh, I, I realized at this point, like it, I mean, they turned the Canadian Destroyer into a, a transition move on a pre-show uh, the other week. So it's again, I know it's old man, but at the same time, like these are these are good moves that used to be heavily protected, and now it's just like, hey, let's just throw these moves out there like they're nothing. It's passing you by, old man. Now <laughs> it is. It's like a who had the tweet. Um, might have been Buddy Murphy. It was definitely one of the revival guys, but I think it was Buddy Murphy as well during the Keith Lee Dajakovic match where they did like the Avalanche Canadian Destroyer and it got like a two count. And <laughs> revival were like, yeah, this is, it's passed me by. Yeah, I was, I was about to ask you, what's worse, you know, doing a regular Destroyer on the pre show or the fucking Avalanche one for a near fall? Yeah, it's, it's like, I mean, it's fucking cool as shit, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I get the point. Yeah. All right, not to harp on that too much. The match was still awesome. It's just something that sticks to me a little bit. I hear you. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, next up, Hikaru Shida, my future ex-wife, defeated Dr. Britt Baker. Uh, ten minutes via pin. I thought this was really good. I thought this was honestly uh, Britt Baker's best AEW performance. She looked a lot better and comfortable out there. And uh, I think Hikaru Shida winning was the right call because uh, right now she just... She feels like a more complete performer, and I don't think you want to rush Britt back into a title opportunity. I think you need to build her up and um, just get her more work and hopefully get her more over heading into a title shot. I, I like this match as well. And yeah, Britt Baker, I mean, she was hot coming in, and then they, it cooled a little bit. Like, she already lost to Riho, and I, I do think that was a, a misfire on um, doing that match so early. But now Britt is kind of just there. Um, she She's obviously a star. She has a lot of star qualities, and they, they see a lot in her. And But... You know, she's already she's already lost to Riho. She lost the the Battle Royal. I think a feud with Nyla Rose would be good for her because Nyla hasn't done a damn thing since uh, she's losing. She's people on dark. Yeah, okay. Nyla hasn't done a damn thing <laughs> since losing to to Riho. So, 
Uh, I, th- I think that would that would be good. You know, she dispatched of, of B Priestley and everything. But I thought Britt looked, yeah, one of her better performances here. And uh, she did. She's good. I, I like her as well. Her winning was the the right call. I'm with you there because she there, there's more to do with her. It, it's tough to go back to the Britt Baker Riho feud or, or match right away. So let Sheeta win and, you know, build up that match. Yeah, so it was good stuff. We then got a Dark Order video package, which was like this a propaganda rules. infomercial deal. This fucking, this was my favorite thing on the show, and I'm not even kidding you. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. It's, uh, again, the kind of stuff that you specifically, I know, have been asking for for these guys, a little something yes. different. Uh, video package to break things up. And, yeah, it was cool. I thought it was well done. Not even a video package to break things up. Like, I wanted a backstory on these guys. I ranted the other week about why is Stuart just back there with his elastical bands pumping iron? Like, why aren't they in a secret layer or something? And now they're fucking Scientologist cults. I I cannot wait for this. Remember, just because you're evil doesn't mean you can't be in shape, okay? (laughs) Stu needs to get his party pump on. (laughs) I, I love this video package, though. I'm very excited for the Dark Order. Now, this one video package did more for them than, you know, winning the, the, the tournament for a first-round buy in the tournament and all that other stuff. Like, a, a one-half-minute video package did way more for them than any of that stuff. Yeah. Do more video packages. This is why I say it. Yep. Uh, next up was the 12-man Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal. The uh, last two men will face off next week for a super special diamond ring. And uh, we had Adam Page, Chuck Taylor, Kip Sabian, Jimmy Havoc, Jungle Boy, Pentagon, Sunny Kiss, Marcus Studd, Joey Gilla, MJF, Orange Cassidy, and the one Billy Gunn, Jeremy. I was, I was glad it wasn't Tommy Dreamer. Fuck yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, Billy Gunn is still a fucking brick shithouse. Jesus Christ. They did the they did the big show spot with Billy Gunn, <laughs> which shows like one, it highlights that the AEW roster is just kind of small because I mean, Billy Gunn is obviously a big dude, but you know, in WWE, he just looked like a normal guy. Like he's the size of the rock and Austin and triple H and all these guys. But in AEW, he's, you know, he's nowhere near the size of the big show, but in AEW, like he's doing the big show, Mark Henry spot where everybody gangs up on him and he just tosses them all aside at once. Yeah, I'm I fine. laughed at that. I, I laughed, but I'm fine with it for the fact that. I think that that would probably be like the Luchasaurus spot, but they didn't want him him in here to lose, so I'm okay with that. No, I thought. Oh I, yeah, I I have no issue with it. I thought it was great. Yeah. It just it kind of just shows that like I don't care about oh these wrestlers are really small like whatever they're still awesome. So I thought this was a, a cool little spot that Billy Gunn was able to do. It's like you say when uh um like. Kazarian and is wrestling like Jungle Boy or Marco Stunt and Kazarian gets to play like monster but you know Kazarian is just like a A normal dude dude. yeah like I like when like normal guys can almost play monster because they're up against smaller guys so speaking of Pentagon looking like a dork they were all in the ring getting ready to start and Phoenix was on the apron with him and I'm doing air quotes for Phoenix because they were sitting there and they looked all happy and Phoenix unmasked as Christopher Daniels that tricky bastard Duped him again. Do do the Lucha Bros like not protect 
their gear. <laughs> you know, like Pentagon keeps getting his shit stolen. Now Phoenix is getting his mask stolen. I guess Daniel's going to just purchased one, but was it the, I don't think it was the same mask Phoenix won. So, or Phoenix had on earlier. So what? Well, he, he, he Phoenix... changes after his mask, dude. Okay. He, you got stinky mask. Sure. You got to change. I will the say that, part... I, I will, hang on. I will say that this did work because Phoenix did not come out with him. So it's not like they were talking all the way to the ring. He just like came out before the match started to like give him support. And that was the distraction. So it wasn't like they were standing there for five minutes. So at least I will give them that. But yeah, Pentagon kind of dorkified here. The worst part was like he takes the mask off and they do stand there for like a, a split second. And Daniels is like swing at me. Like you can clearly see Christopher Daniels say, you know, like hit me. And Pentagon swings and Daniels ducks and everything. It's like Pentagon forgot that he was supposed to punch this man or he either forgot that he was supposed to swing or he looked stupid for swinging because Daniels told him to swing and then Daniels knew he was going to swing and then he ducked. I Pentagon just looked like such an idiot again. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Billy Gunn's in there looking jacked. Funny part early on, there you know everybody's kind of brawling. Sunny Kiss gets some heat and starts running wild, and then starts doing his uh his twerking dance at Billy Gunn, which Billy Gunn appreciated because he is an ass man. Yeah. Unfortunately uh, for Sunny Kiss, though, MJF is an asshole and dumped him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that led to the they did the roar spot with Billy Gunn where everybody attacked and he roared up and everybody flew away. Um, got some random stuff going on here. They went to a commercial break, and during that, Janela was eliminated by Sean Spears. God. So that's going to continue as we expected. Billy Gunn ran wild for a little bit. Um, he, he eventually got get, got tossed, but he uh, he looked good, though. I mean, dude is a beast. He got tossed when a ward low came out and uh, caused a distraction. Anyway, broke down, and in the end, it was MJF uh, eliminating Jungle Boy after doing the I'm going to be a heel and hide on the floor spot and tease that the last two guys are in the ring. So it's him and Adam Page next week. Went about ten and a half minutes. I thought it was a actually rare and fun battle royal because a lot of straight battle royals just kind of suck and everybody stands around and does nothing. It was fun. I could have lived without... 300 interference and just like there's 12 guys in this match janela got eliminated on an interference spot pentagon got eliminated on a distraction spot uh who uh, billy gunn got eliminated on a distraction spot like that that's three of 12 already on distraction spots and you know two people won so there's only 10 eliminations so 30 percent of eliminations were on a distraction spot there there may have been more that i'm just forgetting and, and then you had jimmy havoc who was eliminated by being escorted out by security because he was using a staple gun so well, no, he, did, he did get tossed over the ropes and then he went insane with stapler Oh, whatever. Um, I did. I clearly do not remember that Jimmy Havoc was tossed over the ropes. Um, yeah, so I, 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 I could have lived without all the interference and distraction spots in this one. It was a nice way to get a lot of guys on the show and, and show a, a lot of guys off and show some personality. And I mean, Hangman and MJF as the final two was, was the right call. But just too many distractions for me. Mainly Sean Spears. Cut him out like entirely. <laughs> I agree that it was a little too much, but the thing is, too, is that they they at least used it to try to get 
you know, people some time and try to advance some stuff. So, I mean, I think in that way it was a success. <clears throat> but yeah, fair criticism. Uh, next up was Le Champion Chris Jericho arriving to the ring with Jake Hager. What sucked was he was coming to the ring and they went screen and screen so there was no sound. And he was backstage, like, harassing the librarians and shit. And I wanted to see him making fun of everybody. I yeah, I watched, that. yeah, I watched the, the segment they posted online, and he's asking Marco Stunt for ID. I felt bad for Marco Stunt because, you, like, every, everyone, not everyone, but most people like Marco Stunt. They find him fun and stuff. You can tell he's very uncomfortable in front of the camera still. Like if if he's not in the ring, like wrestling yeah. and dancing, like he's just he's he's not very comfortable. Like even at Starcast when we did interviews with him, like he's very uncomfortable talking to people. And you know, he had to essentially go word for word with Chris Jericho and he was way out of his element here. And it showed in the video like he just it was very awkward. He didn't quite know what to say. And Jericho like Jericho didn't truck him completely because Jericho is very willing and giving. But yeah, Marco Stunt just did not look good in this uh, little video package. But it was only online. I don't know how many people actually saw it. I didn't. There you go. So anyway, uh, Jericho uh, made his way to the ring, talked about having an announcement tonight, said he was fine for his actions after last week's main event where he lost, and he went to try to apologize, but he kept having problems apologizing and saying sorry, so every time he wanted to say sorry, he'd have Hager say it, which was kind of funny. Be like, I'm just, that was I w- great. I want you to know I'm really, and then Hager would be like, sorry. <laughs> like the most fucking monotone shit and then the best part is like he was totally fucking corpse and trying not to laugh his ass off yeah he really was. was yeah Jericho's is so good um he now Jericho announced uh, next week that he's gonna have a special Thanksgiving celebration in Chicago in tribute to him being the champion and being the greatest in history and that was his big announcement. He was going to leave, but Scorpio Sky and SCU arrived. So, uh, Sky said it was uh, admirable of Jericho to apologize. And then, uh, you know, it says that he beat him last week, and that led to Jericho's tantrum. He partied all week, and he even set up a date with his old high school crush, which was all due to Jericho. He apologized for embarrassing Jericho, and Jericho said, he's like, you know, your crush put on weight. And, uh, like, mocked Sky for that. And Scorpio Sky, of course, responded with only one response that he could. He's like, I do like big butts and I cannot lie. So, they said, Jericho said Sky isn't in his league uh, because I mean, he's the greatest of all time. He'll face him one-on-one. He'll wipe the floor with him. And uh, Daniels is like, no, 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 we need to prepare. He's like, we need a couple weeks or a month for a training camp. And Jericho says it'll be next week as part of his celebration. And then they basically Bugs bunnied him into giving him a title shot, which I greatly enjoyed. He was like, oh, no, no, don't make it a title shot. I'm not ready for that. And he's like, no, 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 fine. It's a title shot. So I did laugh. And then Sky said he's been waiting 15 years for an opportunity like this. And next week he will turn Le Champion into Le Bitch. This led to a big brawl. The inner circle arrived. They were beating the shit out of everybody, handcuffing everybody. They beat the hell out of Cutler and Nakazawa. Jericho laid out Sky with the Judas effect. Marcus Stunt and Jungle Boy arrived to try to make the save. They failed. 
And then the Lucha fucking Soros arrived, Jeremy. Had the big face-off with Jake Hagar, and Jesus Christ, that's the first time I've been really interested to see a Jake Hagar match, I think, in ever. Because I just, like, got kind of excited about it. This whole segment was was really good. Chris Jericho is... Man, I, I really can't say enough good things about this guy and just what he's done his whole career, but really this AEW run, like, everything he's done, I can't think of really... A single miss is maybe the hangman match, but you know, and again, um, that wasn't bad, it just wasn't what it quite needed to be, right? And I, I don't even blame that on Jericho, like, they, they almost killed hangman going into this match, yep. like, that that's not Jericho's fault. The work was hard, it's just the crowd didn't quite buy into it as much. Um, every single promo, he's knocked it out of the park, though, like, he's he's been amazing. During this run, this was another great promo. Uh, Scorpio Sky did really well with them. I like the uh, Jedi mind trick that SEU used to 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 get the title shot. I can't wait for that match. I think it's going to be fantastic. And then yeah, Luchasaurus looking looking the uh, like a getting a strong push here. Gonna go up against Hagar and Hagar back down because despite having MMA experience, that was the first time Hagar's seen anyone who took a proper fighting stance. Well, with that, I don't think he's ever seen a dinosaur before. Maybe. I mean, Hagar, Hagar's a weird guy. He may have seen a dinosaur in his life. I'm sure he went to the museum once or twice. Fair enough. But yeah, no, Jericho was really good here again. And the thing, too, is not only was he really good, he played it so well because Jericho is so good that he could have fucking just eaten up Scorpio Sky on the mic here. I mean, Sky, yeah, they, Sky they, was good and did well, but I mean... You know, how many times have we seen a promo where, you know, both guys need to get over, but one guy's so good that he, whether he means to or not, he ends up just totally devouring the other guy. The, this is what I, I'm saying with, you know, Jericho. Um, you know, he's not looking to truck people on the mic. Like the, the Marco Stunt segment, you can tell he was trying to to give to Marco Stunt. It's just Marco Stunt. Was, he's, he's uncomfortable and awkward on the mic. Jericho was very giving to all of SCU, but particularly Scorpio Sky, because that's who he's feuding with. And, and Scorpio Sky is is far more comfortable and, and just better on the microphone. Jericho is he's not out there to to truck anyone on the mic. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes it could just happen because one guy is so good and one guy is just not that good. But it's not going to happen if you have someone who is competent on the microphone. And Scorpio Sky is obviously far above competent. Exactly. So I also liked that. Um, I liked that the baby faces in this company have fucking friends. Yeah, for now. Yeah, but still, I mean, <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, this is it's nice to see, and we'll see it again here a little later on. Uh, yeah. That led to the Luchasaurus killing Peter Avalon in thirty seconds. Exactly what it should have been. Yes, I'm yep. fine with that. Uh, next up was Private Party versus Ortiz and Santana in a match that was dedicated to their friend Matt Travis, who was unfortunately killed last week. Uh, so, probably a very emotional night for these guys. It was Private Party 1 in fifteen twenty via pin. I thought it was good overall. Could have been a little bit shorter, and I kind of thought it was missing something. It just, like, it was good, but it didn't wow me. And um, wasn't a big fan of Santana and Ortiz losing. 
I didn't like that either. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, I guess AEW is trying to essentially say like they're, you know, they try to play it as, as real sports. Um, and you know, the, the Ravens are a good football team and they can beat like the, the Seahawks and the Patriots, but then they lose to, I don't, I don't know, like, um, who the sucks Browns. the, yeah, the Browns, the the Falcons aren't good this year. Uh, like you know, like that's how you know real sports work. The the Warriors are great, but you know they're gonna lose games every now and again. So Private Party can beat Young Bucks, and well, the Warriors suck this year, but previous years. So Private Party can beat the Bucks, and they can beat Santana and Ortiz, but then they lose to Best Friends on AEW Dark, and it's like okay, it, but it almost create like it does create a sense of. Anybody can win at any time, but it also creates a almost a sense of parity, and you don't always need that. Like, just put a team over strong, put put a wrestler over strong. It was my same kind of complaint with with Pack. Like, just sometimes put guys over strong. You know, private party's not going to lose anything. The 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 thing with them is going to be more of a long term thing. Same same with Hangman Page. Like, proud and powerful are your top tag team right now. The other thing with this match is. Look, the, I don't know what it is with these referees. I Santana completely missed his cue. It's on Santana. Um, he he didn't pull the referee's leg when he he should have, and so that threw everything off. But if a wrestler misses his cue, then count the pinfall. If like if they fuck it up, they fuck it up. But and if you don't count the pinfall, everyone looks stupid. Like the ref looked dumb. The announcers looked dumb for trying to defend this and then saying, oh, Ortiz wasn't the legal man. Like, yes, he was the legal man. And if he wasn't the legal man, the referee shouldn't have counted the pinfall in the first place. He shouldn't have gone down for the count. So they look dumb there. Ortiz looks dumb because he's not kicking out. Santana looks dumb because he's missing his cue and stuff. And just everyone looked bad in this. So treat it like a shoot. That's what WWE does. If, Treat it like a shoot. If a guy misses his cue, if a guy forgets to kick out, too damn bad. Like you fucked up, but at least the, what you, we see on TV is, you know, it doesn't lead to shit like this or or shit like um the the Pac and, and Trent match. Yeah, I agree. That that's that shit. Like especially because that wasn't super near the finish. That like really hurts the flow of a match too. So. Yeah, I I was like totally fucking confused with what was going on there. I was like, Jesus Christ! The crowd again? was, the crowd was completely out of it after that spot, yeah. and it picked up a little bit near the end because Nick made his run in and everything. But they were totally lost after that spot, and I was too. I was like, okay, I kind of just want this match to end now. Yeah. So as you mentioned, Nick Jackson uh, ran in because uh, the former LAX were going to use the uh, the slapjack. He stopped them, and then afterwards, Sammy Guevara arrived and attacked Nick, but Dustin Rhodes made the save, and baby faces have friends. Yay. Like it. Yeah. Uh, next week, it's Paige versus MJF for the Super Special Diamond Ring, Pac versus Omega, Jericho versus Sky, and the return of Cody. That, um, uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, Cody was... Yeah. <laughs> He's gone all week. I know. Maybe he's actually going to wrestle. Who knows? I don't think so. I think he'll talk, which is fine. So we got a Kenny Omega video package. He was working out with Michael Nakazawa and talked about how 
he was doing things he normally doesn't do. He lost sight of who he is, and it all goes back to losing the pack it all out. Next week, he gets his chance for revenge and redemption. And I thought this was a good promo. Unfortunately, only the only thing people were taking away from it, they were mocking him <laughs> that he was only lifting like 60 pounds or something. That I didn't even pay attention to or give a shit about. Uh, it was a fine promo. I don't like the Kenny Omega, who is like... Oh, they say I'm not a promo guy. They say I'm not a hardcore guy. Like, you know, they just say I'm the, the, this great wrestler. Like, dude, you named yourself the best bout machine. Like, what do you want us to talk about? Like, the, you put this on yourself. Like, I I don't think Kenny Omega is a, a fantastic promo guy, but he's been good in AEW. I, I know Kenny Omega can wrestle a variety of style of matches. Like, we saw the match with Chris Jericho in New Japan. Like, that was completely different than most Kenny Omega matches, and it was good. Like, don't don't tell me... Hey, they say I'm not this. They say I'm not that. Look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. It just sounds too like self uh, self masturbatory for for me. And the yeah the the weight stuff. That's all I saw. Anybody? They even mocked it when they put a weight on one side and then so Omega had trouble lifting that side. And yeah, he was lifting like 55 pounds. Like, do you even lift, bro? Yeah, I, it was funny. I just laughed that that was everybody's like really big takeaway from this. But what are you going to do? So that leads us to our main event of the evening, which was John Moxley versus Darby Allen. And they uh, they freaked me out a little bit and because uh, they did the TV time remaining gimmick. And, man, they pushed it right until the end uh, time-wise there. But, uh, yeah, Darby Allen came out. He was carried out in a body bag that said Mox on it. Then he skateboarded down to the ring. And we started off with a big brawl. And then we pretty much had 11 minutes of crazy John Moxley, Darby Allen action, which I thought was really great. They pushed it up right to the end of the hour. John Moxley picks up the win. Uh, had to break out the Avalanche Death Rider off the ropes to do so. I thought this was pretty fucking great. I mean... They worked in the style that they needed to to showcase both guys. I think Moxley has been great. He continues to roll with the win. Allen gave him more than a fight that he probably expected. And Allen continues to thrive. He's this kind of great combination of like, he's an underdog, babyface, Mikey Whipwreck, Jeff Hardy, Daredevil kind of guy that like really feels odd but works at the same time for him. And I really dig it. And he's over. I yeah, I love Darby Allen. His suicide dive on Moxley to start this match was awesome. Um, a thousand miles an hour, dude. <laughs> yeah, Moxley just beating the shit out of him. Allen was getting in some some hope spots to to look strong and stuff. You know, it did take the the avalanche paradigm shift, looks which looked like it sucked and, and killed him. <laughs> he put him he put him in the body bag uh, before all this, and yeah, Moxley winning right call and Mo- like Moxley's been fantastic in AEW and Darby Allen is definitely like an underdog underground kind of star that you can. He's going to appeal to a, a very specific demographic, like multiple demographics, honestly, and it's going to. 
Yeah, he's going to be a star. He hits a lot of the the target audience for AEW, which is kind of the that rebel, um, you know, rally almost cult like audience. So uh, I think uh, I shouldn't say cult, social outcast kind of audience. Like that's what AEW presents itself and then like that's their rallying cry um and like darby allen is almost the face of that just with how he comes off and how he presents himself and and how he looks so i think i I want darby allen in the dark order maybe that's a little i don't know if that's a downgrade but yeah i i I love this match and moxley winning was was the right call and they can do it again in a lights out match yeah in like three years because we don't need to see another lights out match jeremy come on we don't, but um, yeah, we we really don't. But Moxley might want to murder somebody in the next couple of months. So, I mean, he might because he is kind of insane. So, but that is AEW for the week. Uh, we'll talk about the overall kind of deal and the back and forth here at the end. But we move on to NXT, Jeremy, for the same date. At the end of Raw, NXT stood tall and Triple H basically said, Watch NXT Wednesday night. Main roster people will be there. He said there would be an open door, but I mean, basically that's what he said. He's like, please watch NXT Wednesday night. Yeah, they they got a, you know, a big boost from... um... A little bit on SmackDown, but but definitely on on Raw, they they got a big boost of promotion. Exactly. So, uh, and speaking of special guests, we started off with Becky Lynch arriving, walking in like she owned a fucking place, and uh, yeah, she came out and talked about it. It's been a long time since she kicked ass at Full Sail, said things were about to change. She was coming without Triple H's invitation, said uh, Bailey's crying like a teen with an old lady haircut, says Sasha's a blue-haired Bailey buddy. Shayna Baszler, she was here to remind her who she is, called her out. But she did not get Shayna Baszler, Jeremy. She got Rhea Ripley. We got Rhea's gonna kill you chance. And Rhea said she wanted to see if the man had a set of balls, and we got us a match. Yeah, I I mean Becky's awesome. She she did walk in like she owned the place, and that's she should. Um and then it's amazing to see like just how far Becky has come through all of this because I mean she she was never NXT women's champion was she nope yeah so like you know Charlotte to Sasha Bailey they all got their runs and you know Becky never did she was always kind of I know Bailey didn't get the call up as quick as, as Charlotte and Sasha but Becky was still for lack of a better term the redheaded stepchild of, of the four horsewomen who just never got that shot in NXT and here she is the biggest star of all four of them main eventing and winning a WrestleMania, the, the fucking man. And she comes in like she presents herself well and Rhea Ripley held her own on the mic and in the match. So Rhea Ripley, I mean, she's only like 23. She's going to be a big star as well, as long as they don't completely shackle her. Exactly. So yeah, that led us to a match. It went to a no contest, double DQ at, uh, 9.30 when Shayna and her little pals arrived. Uh, they got sent packing afterwards. And um, the match was good even with the expected non-finish because uh, it was ahead of the pay-per-view, so I didn't expect either one of them to lose. 
I do want to see a eventual rematch down the line because I think there's a lot more they can do. And kind of backing up what you said, unless they fuck it up, Rhea Ripley is going to be a huge star. I understand why they did the non-finish. My issue with it is they did this three times on Raw where they had a distraction finish or just some type of not or not a distraction like just a non-finish what what, what were the matches mcintyre and owens and triple h coming out that just um, ended yeah triple h arrived and he's right better than everything right the the main event i don't remember what the main event was but that match had a, a non-finish um and then there was another match on the show like Survivor these- series week booking man yeah and like this was another one just non-finish it's like okay can like can we get something like i understand you don't want to beat either of these women but if becky wins like she's the fucking champion it's okay if she wins and if you don't want to beat either of these women don't book the match um you know do something different but they didn't what can you do um yeah the the you know then we had the the big survivor series brawl type thing which they always do which it, it was good i mean it, it was fine becky becky and Rhea are are awesome matt riddle was going to face kona reeves but thankfully ricochet is awesome and flew out and drop kicked his fucking face off and uh that led to matt riddle versus ricochet uh, they went 350, Matt Riddle won via pin, and uh, I'll tell you what, like Cesaro and Nakamura came out towards the end, they fought them off, and uh, this was probably as good of sub four minute match as you're going to see, threw everything at the wall, and uh, the only thing that sucked about this is like, I wrote in my review, this was some of that like just the tip bullshit like, I need a fucking full-on 12 to 15-minute match between these guys. Because I want more after seeing that. Yeah, it was definitely way too short, but for as short as it was, it was still awesome. I'm glad. I really thought we were going to get another non-finish. I'm not, like, a distraction finish isn't much better, but at least somebody won. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd kill to see Ricochet and Matt Riddle in a 15-minute match just at some point down the line. I think we'll we'll see. I mean, it won't be a 15-minute match, but we'll see some interactions with them at Survivor Series, I'm willing to guess. I would guess so. But, yeah, they ran off Nakamura and Cesaro post-match. Roderick Strong arrived, attacked Riddle. He made the comeback, but Finn Balor arrived. And just, yeah, just big brawl, which came off really well, I thought, afterwards. Crowd was into it. Yeah, it was it was Survivor Series stuff, and it was good. And I, I like that Balor Balor doesn't give a shit about this brand supremacy. He's just have to kill Matt Riddle. Exactly. Uh, we then got a video package hyping the Killing Dane Damian Priest Pete Dunne uh, match at Takeover with the winner facing Adam Cole the next night at Survivor Series for the NXT Championship, and that led to our big tag team match, Jeremy. Undisputed Era defeating the Revival at 25 minutes. Your thoughts first. Uh, I mean, he, they gave Revival and Undisputed Era 25 minutes. It, it's tough to fuck that up. You give these two teams that much time. 
especially at Full Sail, where Undisputed Era are, are treated very well. Revival got a hero's uh, welcome return. You know, they chanted, please don't go after. Like, the, these guys are treated well at Full Sail. Crowd was into it. They Revival had to um, work a babyface kind of style, which was a little bit different for them, but they, they pulled it off well. And, yeah, the, the match was great. Like, it was it, – it's – tough to say much more than that the match was fucking awesome because it's undisputed like this is what the revival can do we know they can do this they just never get a chance to do this on the main roster but this is what they can do agreed yeah um absolutely great match uh undisputed era continues to show why they're one of the best tag teams in the world they worked so well together. Um, a lot of the match, I felt, it came off like effortless in terms of execution because everybody's so good. It went 25. It never felt long. And, you know, don't let the... I, I see a lot of people these days down on the Revive one. It's because of their shit main roster booking. Uh, but don't let that cloud your judgment because these guys are still really fucking great and will deliver, like, tremendous stuff. If they can get more than 10 minutes of TV time in a match, they felt completely back into their element here because, you know, like Jeremy said, the NXT crowd was just loving these guys. They wanted them to stay. Seriously, they did not want them to go. And I love that they stepped out of their comfort zone and did play the kind of de facto baby faces here, and they did it really well. And I thought that added to the uh, success of the match, so... Basically, you like the Phoenix and Nick Jackson match. You need to make time and see this match. For for sure, the, those two matches were. I mean, the the Darby and Moxley match was great as well. But th- this was definitely the the best match on NXT. Um, and yeah, like I'm with you on the revival. They're they're really good, and maybe they can go back to NXT because they ain't getting 25 minutes on the main roster. I have a great idea to make room for them. We could just release the Forgotten Sons. What What are you talking about? The Forgotten Sons had a banger against the Viking Raiders. Had a good match. Let's not get over fucking Raiders. <laughs> so we see a bunch of raw talent arriving backstage. We got a great War Games video package for the Women's War Games match. Uh, that led to Kylie Ray defeating Dakota Kai in uh, just under six minutes via pin. Thought it was a pretty good match overall and a nice featured match ahead of Saturday's show for Kaylee Ray, who hasn't been on NXT proper a lot. Yeah, it, it was good for um, Kaylee Ray, and it was. I, I don't know if you saw Bailey's tweet, but she was like, "Why aren't you in this match at Survivor Series?" I laughed at that because uh, yeah, NXT UK isn't the fourth brand they're just kind of uh i don't know they exist in some capacity they're nxb i guess yeah um but yeah a good showcase for for kaylee ray who for fans who don't watch nxt uk which is seemingly everybody and um yeah good good match how dare you good sir <laughs> dude you watch it like weekly i i'm caught up amazingly i, know. I don't it's, know it's me and ian hamilton weekly <laughs> I don't know what's actually going on, but I, I'm caught up with it. Again, Joseph Connors is bitching about something, or did Joe Coffee? Oh, I, I, I can't tell any of these guys apart. Joseph Connors is fucking like getting wins for some reason, and then this fucker's trying to sell a I'm takeover worthy shirt, and I'm just like, go fuck off, dude. Nobody likes you. 
anyway, I, uh, I can't tell any of these guys apart. And, well, Joseph Connors is the dude with long hair that looks constipated when he's trying to be a heel. I don't know if that helps, but <laughs> that's how I describe it. <laughs> anyway, after the match, we got a big Survivor Series angle with Carmella, Dana Brooks, Sonya Deville, Mandy Rose attacking Ke- Kaylee Ray, Bianca Belair, Tegan Knox, Io Shirai, Candice Ray, Sarah Logan, Kyrie Zane, and others all joined in. Uh, Kyrie Zane hit a insane elbow on Tegan Knox after a headbutt. She had a face off with Io, and now that they're both evil, I kind of want to see that match. Uh, again, and uh, Sarah Logan broke it up, and then Nikki Cross arrived and attacked with trash can lid shots. Yeah, more uh, brand supremacy warfare. Exactly. I, I thought it came off well, though. It was, uh, again, it was fun. Uh, it was. Uh, some people got good reactions, and uh, Nikki Bella made her return. <laughs> yeah, Kyrie Zane kind of had the Nikki Bella, th- Bella thing going on with the... Um, the backwards red hat and everything. Uh, I will say that uh, someone's going to accuse me of being a horrible person here, but this segment was not only good for the Survivor Series build, but if you're a man, you probably enjoyed the hell out of this because there was a lot of tight black pants in this segment. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, not going <laughs> to lie. Everybody looking good in various ways. Uh, next up, the Viking Raiders, Jeremy, defeated your favorite tag team in the world, the Forgotten Sons. 12 minutes and 15 seconds, your thoughts? It was fine. Why was it 12 minutes? Like, Viking Raiders should have squashed these guys. It, I don't know what it is. It, I guess it's the same thing with Joseph Connors. Like, NXT just has a fetish with the, just certain guys who clearly don't have it. And, and even they don't have it, and they don't need to be used in this capacity and and forgotten sons are I, I like on raw triple h is like pitching kevin owens come to nxt and the fucking forgotten sons are there and owens is probably like the hell would i want to join these these geeks for like where's so riddle and all these beer guys doesn't mean i have to stand with these assholes <laughs> yeah like where where's you know the talented guys sorry forgotten sons um yeah it, it just they're they're not gonna happen they don't need to happen just let them go yeah i thought it was good but a little long and uh the reason it went long is because you had to do all the cliche heel bullshit with ricker on the floor before he got kicked out it's like yeah it's like shorten this up it's actually a better match and everybody looks better but i I thought the Viking raiders should have won quicker as well definitely uh, we got a video package hyping up Saturday's War Games match, which led to the main event, Jeremy, a ladder match for the advantage in War Games. Adam Cole defeating Don, uh, Dominic Dijakovic. I keep wanting to call him Donovan because of fucking years of calling him that. Anyway, he beat Dijakovic tw- uh, 10 and a half minutes. Your thoughts? It, it was good. It was a little short for like a ladder match, but it was it was still good. Um, I, I like the, the finish. Um, cause I'm, I'm a fan of two guys just kind of battling and then one guy getting smashed in the head with whatever the is up there to be smashed in the head with. So it, it was good. Adam Cole, I'm glad it was short. I don't know why Adam Cole is wrestling these matches. Um, that, you know, he's got this ladder match and then he's got the war games match. He's got a fractured wrist. Like, give this man a break. I saw somebody had a good tweet of like undisputed era, uh, or yeah, undisputed era. They, they have poor leadership because they would never send their actual leader to do this match with a fractured wrist, like or wrist. 
somebody else needs to, needs to step up. Like, where were you at, Roddy? It's, you know, prove your worth uh, to this team. So, good good match, though. Um, just too short to really, like, hit home uh, as far as a ladder match goes. Yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, one-on-one ladder matches can be really tricky and hard to pull off. I thought they told a fine story. Had a good main event, but, yeah, I just... Uh, yeah, a little questionable having Cole in there again because it's that's such a crazy schedule with this weekend coming up and him still being injured. And uh, that led to the big post-match go-home Survivor Series brawl stuff. Um, Undisputed Era came out to celebrate. They were surrounded by Raw and SmackDown troops. Everybody brawled. More NXT guys arrived. Drew McIntyre, somehow this big motherfucker sneaks in the ring. Seriously, he's not a fucking squirrel. How does Drew McIntyre just like kind of wander out there with nobody really noticing and Claymore Dijakovic's fucking face off, which was awesome? He got cut off with a Keith Lee spirit bomb. Ivar came in. They faced off. Then they hit big dives. Adam Cole was left alone. He posed. And then Seth Rollins came out and hit him with a super kick. And he he got fucking chance of like Seth's not cool. <laughs> Because everybody hates Seth Rollins now, which is funny. Uh, Chiampa's music hits. He makes his way out towards Rollins. Rollins, but he stops at the steps and uh, takes out Cole with a running knee. He hit the ring, and then they had the big brawl with Rollins to close the show. I, I like that when Chompa came out, they decided to hit Cole first. Like another guy, he cares more about war than brand supremacy. Uh, Chompa came off like a big star here. Rollins, he, maybe he thought he was going to, I don't know what they expected Seth Rollins to get, but it's, it's, yeah, if he can't even get a pop from Full Sail, I guess he didn't wrestle much in Full Sail, but he was the first NXT champion. Um, but you would think that that crowd that is designed to, for lack of better word, uh, you know that yeah. crowd likes like the work ready guys, you know, and you would think that on the surface they would like Seth a lot, but Seth has been like a fucking geek for a while now, so they they like the work rate guys, but they also like cool guys and Seth. Like I actually think they'd kind of pop for Roman Reigns. And then they'd boo him uh, once they get over like, oh, this is Roman Reigns. You know, we we don't like him. But with with Rollins, like he's he's tarnished things so much, you know, through his own social media and just through booking that it's tough to get a pop for this guy right now and yeah i didn't i thought the 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 closer was kind of cold like the crowd really wasn't going crazy for this champa and seth rollins brawl at least not as much as you would have uh, hoped for um i don't know if they were waiting for some somebody else to come out because it, you know there were reports that roman reigns was likely for the show and and that obviously didn't happen like smackdown didn't have a big representative in this close uh this closing show brawl here so i don't know if they were waiting for somebody else or, or what it was but the the crowd wasn't as hot as you would hope for for this uh seth rollins and champa brawl i do like when all the sleuths during the day start posting stuff um they start throwing stuff out like oh so and so is gonna be there and then they make this like big list of people who's gonna be there and then like one of the eight shows up which is always funny it's like, yeah, good, good job. I could fucking make a guess on who's going to be there too, and I might even hit fifty percent. But Jesus, <laughs> yeah, it's if you're gonna guess that 
Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman or and those guys are going to be there, then when you're throwing out names like that, you you better be right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of funny when everybody Alvarez. Is that who it was? I didn't even remember who yeah. the hell it was. I just the usual suspects out there always post their list and post the big scoops. Yeah, Alvarez was the one who said Rain, Strowman, Ali, Shorty G, all the pretty much all of Team SmackDown. And then he said he said like Montez Ford, but not Angelo Dawkins. And I think it was I don't I don't remember seeing Angelo Dawkins. I know Montez Ford was definitely there and they Zach got the big Ryder week, was week unexpectedly the there. Zach Ryder was bring your fiance to work day. Yeah, well, there Chelsea. you go, yeah. That's how he got in the building, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's just uh, funny stuff, dude. Have they even fucking announced... I know we're going to do Survivor Series in a little bit. Have they announced who the fucking NXT teams are? No. No. Of course not, yeah. <laughs> That's going to make writing a preview really fucking fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, WWE. Oh, so what the fuck? Are you excited, by the way, before we go into head-to-head, are you excited for Tito versus Alberto coming up? When is that? That's like, I don't even know when it is, but uh, yeah. The 7th. Oh, okay. So it's a couple weeks away. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited, but it's still it's still two weeks away. I get, I, I don't get excited until things for things until like the week of. Fair enough, fair enough. I was just curious, you know. So... Uh, and now Jeremy, kind of the head to head overall, go to you first. What are you thinking this week? I liked, I liked AEW a little bit better. Um, both great shows. I'm torn. I I do think that Undisputed Era and Revival was the best match. I I do think that uh, Chris Jericho, Scorpio Sky was, was the best segment, but Overall, I, I just enjoyed Dynamite a little bit better. I thought the closing was was, was stronger with Moxley and Allen compared to uh, Seth Rollins and, and Ciampa kind of brawling to, to no real reaction. So I, I think that's what sort of leans me towards Dynamite is, is one had a, a super strong hot closer and the other one the the closing like the last visual and audio that that you uh heard and saw were kind of cold so I think that's why I'm, I'm slightly leaning Dynamite but it's again another thing of it, it's it's inches centimeters even on on which show is better they were both great yeah uh, I really enjoyed both shows uh NXT, you know, WWE kind of unloaded the arsenal. They they told you Monday night, we're going to have a bunch of cool main roster people there. Please watch NXT Wednesday night. And they put them on there, and that's that's fine because that's their ability to do so. They own everybody, you know. Uh, and I thought that they put on a really great show. I thought that they served a lot of masters in building the War Games and Survivor Series. Uh, I thought AEW was a great show. I thought it had better wrestling overall, and you had the really great Chris Jericho segment. So I like I score wise, I, I think I went the same on my reviews, but I give AEW the edge. I found it just a uh, slightly better show with the better wrestling, and just which always kind of appeals to me. But again, you can't go wrong with either show. A really strong four hours of um. <clears throat> Of action as usual on Wednesday night, which is just 
continue to be a blast every week, Jeremy. Yeah. Um, ratings. We, we talked about this last week and the gap was much wider than I thought it was going to be last week after it was so close, um, two weeks ago. Did I, I said last week, like if NXT is going to win, this would be the week because they would get the, the, the SmackDown boost a little bit. They would definitely get the raw boost. And, and they did on, on both shows. They, they got some promotion on SmackDown. They got big promotion on <laughs> raw. They advertised the, they didn't advertise Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch until uh, they, they advertised Becky like minutes before they went on the air, but they did advertise the revival. They did advertise basically anybody could show up. So, you know, it's the go home sh- NXT show for survivor series. Does NXT win this week? I, I think if they have a chance, it is this week. I, I'm not convinced they are going to win cause they were down significantly again last week but again if if this is the week for them to do it, it it has to be the question is this though jeremy if they don't what does the company kind of think and do about that because i mean uh. you basically made the big play monday night triple h basically said listen guys we're building the Survivor Series and War Games. We're going to have another really good show like we always do Wednesday night. But we're going to have a bunch of other really fucking cool people here. Maybe some of you 2.3 million people can transfer over and help out the 670,000 watching NXT and help a brother out this week. Yeah, I I don't think they're going to win and I don't know why other than AEW just feels hotter. And yeah, if WWE doesn't win, I'm not sure what else they can do outside of bring out the big dog mascot because he's clearly ratings. I guess. I mean, they seriously, I mean, I just I don't know what you do if you after because like again, like you said, on SmackDown, they give the NXT people time. They give NXT people time on Monday. You had all the angles. And then you had the big Triple H thing at the end there basically saying, hey, I promise you we're going to have cool shit on this show. Yeah. I, I mean, we'll see in a, in a few hours who, who wins up. By the time people listen to this, the ratings might be out. But I don't think... I think AEW wins slightly. It's definitely going to be slightly. I don't think it's going to... I think they win the demo. I think they win the demo by a a fairly good margin. Um, And I think they they win the viewership slightly. And even if they lose the viewership, I still think they win the demo. Yeah. Probably. I just... uh, Yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, I, I think that AEW probably... Probably wins because they, they, they had a nice rebound last week and everything and were... You know, they were up significantly comparatively, and I just, I, I don't know if there was a reason for them to necessarily lose a lot of viewers this week. And, I mean, NXT had definitely had a reason to gain, so, I mean, I don't know. I think AEW would have to see a a, a pretty decent drop for NXT to win, and if, if it does, then that's just going to be the inconsistency of the uh, AEW audience to where they're just not getting people, but they did announce, you know, they announced a lot of stuff last week for this week, including the Jericho announcement and stuff. And I just, um, yeah, I think you're probably right that it'll be close, but I, I think they win. I'm going to be fascinated to see though, just because 
again, you kind of empty the holsters. I mean, granted, you didn't have, like, Roman on and stuff, but, I mean, you basically told everybody, we're going to have cool people on, please watch. And they delivered on that, and it was a great show. I mean, I just, you didn't you didn't have Roman, but you had Seth, and Seth has been and you had presented. Becky. Yeah, you had Becky, who I mean, she might be the top star in the company. Seth has been presented at one of the top stars in the company, whether he's a draw or not. I I'm going to laugh if AEW wins and Seth Rollins it gets beat by AEW. <laughs> Oh, I, I just want to see the fucking Twitter meltdown. I, I'm really going to to laugh if if that happens. Of yeah, Seth Rollins went there, and they, they I mean, they can claim it was unadvertised, whatever, and and he still got beat too by by he got beat by Kenny Omega lifting 55 pounds. Remember, Jeremy, it's a uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Until we want to decide to throw 800 main roster guys on NXT. Brock's going to be on there in the next couple of weeks. Coming to you live from Full Sail next week, Roman Reigns versus The Undertaker, everybody. (laughs) That's their next shot. They're going to bring in Rock is down at the PC every now and again, uh, working with his daughter. They're going to bring him out for a show. Dwayne, can we bother you for five minutes at 8 (laughs) o'clock? It'll just be like on SmackDown. We'll even bring Corbin down for you to bury again. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, it'll be I'm gonna be very fascinated by the ratings this week. Uh so Jeremy, we have two big shows this weekend. And uh it is a loaded weekend. And uh kind of excited for it. Lots of good stuff. We start off with NXT Takeover War Games 2019. We're in Chicago this weekend, and we start off with Finn Balor versus Matt Riddle, Jeremy. Gonna gonna be awesome. Matt Riddle's awesome. Finn Balor's awesome. Uh, especially heel persona Finn Balor. I imagine Finn Balor wins. I don't think you could beat him. To, you know his first NXT match back. I think that would be a huge misfire. Um, but yeah, match it, it should get time. All these matches should get time because there's only four announced matches for the card. And obviously the War Games matches are gonna go pretty long. But it's their network. They can go as long as they fucking want. Um, yeah, the match should be great though. And and. Ballard, I can't imagine Finn Balor losing this match. Yeah, I think as we all know, this was supposed to be Balor versus Gargano, but injury issues took Gargano out of it. But they thankfully transitioned to a really good uh, feud with Riddle. And like Jeremy said, highly looking forward to this match. Should be great. No reason it shouldn't be. I think the uh, reason I'm really excited for this is, you know, the end game is going to be Balor versus Gargano down the line still, but this is Balor's NXT return match. So he's going to be fucking fired up. You know he's wanted to work here, return to NXT. He wants to feel important and used again. And the thing is that he's going to be really motivated to deliver. And then look back a couple weeks ago when they did that match with the OC versus uh, Riddle, Ciampa, and Lee. uh, And AJ Styles was in there working with Matt Riddle and felt like totally rejuvenated and was working like, Harder than I had seen him work in months. And gave AJ some of that fire back that he'd been missing. And I think he's going to do the same for Balor here. Um, Should be a fucking banger. Highly looking forward to this one. 
Yeah, I have nothing else to add. It's going to be great. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, next up, we have a number one contenders match. Uh, the winner will get a title shot at Adam Cole during Survivor Series. It is Killian Dane, Pete Dunne, and Damian Priest, which is the three-way that they have been building to for the past couple weeks, Jeremy. Should be another good match. Sorry, I haven't eaten anything all day. That's all right. Um, should be another great match. Killian Dane, I'm not like super high on. Like he's fine, but I'm not super high on him. Damian Priest and Pete Dunne are really good, really fun. Their their feud has been good. They, you know, the match has a backstory to it, which is good. It's not just like a thrown together triple threat for a title shot. The the one thing is. You know, it's the winner is going to be on Survivor Series facing Adam Cole. So I feel like that almost just eliminates Killian Dane from winning this match because I don't think you're putting Adam Cole versus Killian Dane on fucking Survivor Series. Um, Damian Priest, they they could try to to make him both in this match and then at Survivor Series into a, an even bigger deal. Pete Dunne feels like the guy who's going to win this match because Dunne and Cole. Um, you can you can do a lot with at Survivor Series. It is weird that this you know the winner of this match is going to be on Survivor Series though because you wouldn't think Adam Cole uh, or you wouldn't think like Pete Dunne, Damian Priest, Killian Dane like they're on a WWE you know big pay per view like that challenging for a championship. But they're gonna be there and and I think Pete Dunne may, makes the most sense to to win. Yeah, uh, I, it's a late addition to the card, but I like it. I'm glad they kind of pulled it off TV and moved it to this. I've enjoyed the uh, Dunn and Damian Priest matches. They're really good. Killian Dane isn't working really hard since coming back to NXT. I think he's going to be out to show that he belongs in this match. Uh, and then, like, kind of breaking down who I think is going to win is, like, Dane just doesn't work right now for me and just doesn't really makes sense. He's the kind of guy that I think you can get away with giving a title shot on TV to. But, as you said, kind of not Survivor Series. Um, Damian Priest, I mean, obviously I'd love to see him get a shot. He's awesome, and he's not getting any younger. But I also feel that you can tell a better story with him down the line facing a a face champion. So I don't know if I'd want to burn him and have him lose a title match. Dunn feels like the safe call... But I'm also kind of concerned with hot-shotting him into a title match because it kind of feels like a throwaway attraction title match type of thing. Like, it's not really important. And, like, I don't know if you want to burn uh, Pete Dunne getting a title match just because it's Survivor Series. But at the same time, he is the guy that delivers the best in big match experience stuff. And him and Cole will probably be fucking awesome if they get the time. And they don't... They don't need like 30 minutes. Just give them 15 fucking minutes because that uh, that Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bate match that, uh, from a couple years ago that I absolutely loved in Chicago and gave five stars to was like just under 16 minutes, I think. So they don't need 30 or anything. So yeah, I'll probably go with Pete Dunne here as well. Uh, and next up, we are going to go to the War Games match. The first one with the ladies. Rhea Ripley versus Tegan Knox, uh, or Rhea Ripley, Tegan Knox, Mia Yim, Candice LeRae, facing off with Shayna Baszler, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Kaylee Ray. Since NXT moved to the USA Network, I think the top portion of the NXT women's division has been the most consistently booked and overall best parts on the show. And the funny thing about this match is that, like, 
it kind of snuck up on me in a good way. All the early builds seemed to be for the men's war games and for whoever was going to challenge Shayna next. And then it just kind of broke down and got real. The women's war war games movement started. And the thing was, I think it was kind of masterfully done because on the surface, it kind of felt like it was out of nowhere. But if you go back to week one of NXT on the USA Network, the build was kind of there all along. They just weren't hitting you over the head with it, and they weren't doing that, oh my god, this is going to lead to the first ever women's war games match that is totally going to be historic, rah, rah, women's revolution for life, it's good fucking shit, pal. They just fucking let it happen. And that's why I think people are so excited for it, because there are eight talented women in here, they're all really good, They've built to it well. They did a lot of good stuff with that Dakota Kai portion and kind of teasing a heel turn with her being depressed about not getting in it, only for it to be Kaylee Ray. So they've done a lot of great stuff here. I think the talent is here for them to have a great match. Uh, I worry about it with both War Games matches. I worry about them going a little too long because I think it was last year went kind of really long and kind of felt long by the end. But I definitely think this has a chance to be great. You can build feuds coming out of it. And I obviously think that Rhea's team winning um, and heating her up for the eventual title match with Shayna makes the most sense. So I'm going with Teen Ripley here as Jeremy makes a bunch of background noise. Sorry. Um, I was getting comfortable. Um, yeah, I, I think Team Ripley wins as well for, for the same reasons you mentioned. You heat up Ripley to uh, finally take the title off of Shayna Baszler. Somebody has to conquer Baszler. Ripley seems like the by far the best option to do it because it feels like everyone else has failed. Um, and and yeah, and then you can maybe create dissension in the Baszler's camp with, uh, you know, the, the horsewomen stuff. Why weren't they picked? The, the heels should be, you know, the, the heels should lose this match because Baszler's the champion and this is not like a united heel team like Undisputed Era where, all right, everyone understands Cole's the champion, but we're also all champions and we're all friends. Like, this is just a thrown together heel team where, you know, you've got Baszler. Everyone should be going after the title, not trying to be buddy-buddy with Shayna Baszler. So I, I think that's why... Um, Team Ripley, along with just heating Ripley up even more, should should also win this match. Match, once again, should be great. It's rare just to have a bad takeover match. I'm with you on possibly going long because that's that can be an issue with, with war game stuff. But I I think I think they'll they'll book this one well, and I'm sure it'll be great. Yeah. And uh, so then the last match on takeover is the men's war games match with Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly facing off with. Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, and a mystery man, which is apparently going to be revealed the night of the show is a big surprise. Who's it going to be? I am going, I'm going to make the call now, going John Morrison. Really? Yep. Okay. That would be something. From everything I've heard, Velveteen Dream is still banged up and not going to be back, which would have been my pick and I thought made the most sense. And, I mean, I could be getting worked here, and maybe he's fine and he's going to be back, which, again, makes the most sense with his uh, history with uh, Undisputed Air, and obviously he'd get a huge reaction returning, too. Um, but, yeah, I kind of think they're going to try to spice up the weekend. I mean, it's surely, surely not going to be fucking CM Punk. 
Yeah, I don't think it's going to be CM Punk either. Um, but I, I I am slowly talking myself into CM Punk being on Team NXT at Survivor Series for no real reason other than it's Chicago and he returned this week. And yeah, to, you know, why 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 couldn't they do that? Um, I You're talking me into John Morrison a little bit. I'm still just going Velveteen Dream, but... I mean, I guess if, if he's not ready, he's not ready. I don't know who else makes sense for this spot. Gar- Gargano, but then if Gargano was cleared, you would have just done... Uh, um, him and Balor. Yeah, him and Balor, unless he didn't get cleared until the last second. But of course, you're not... Like, you got to have a plan going into this match. You're not going to wait till the last second of, okay, is Gargano cleared or not? So... they, I, I'm assuming they have somebody figured out... Um, I'm still going Velveteen Dream, but you, you've talked me into it potentially being John Morrison, though. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a good possibility. Johnny NXT. Yes. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it's like he's going to add to his list of 900 names. <laughs> Johnny Next. I did like when he was working, like, random indies, and he'd just be like, he'd be like Johnny Blackcraft and... Johnny Major and just all kind of weird shit. Whatever promotion he was fucking working, just. But yeah, no, I, I think it. I think it might be because I like he's reportedly signed. They've held off. They haven't had him on any shows. It's been like radio silence. Uh, it's a big weekend, obviously, with Survivor Series and stuff. I mean, he could work the War Games match. He could theoretically then be part of Team NXT the next night on Survivor Series. It'd be a big way to bring him back, and so. But, uh, yeah, again, another match with a ton of possibility. It's one of those that, on the surface, I think, it looks like Undisputed Era has all the advantages because they have the War Games experience. They are the unified force. They kind of seem to have all the momentum in the world as they have all the titles. So, in that regard, like, you can easily buy them winning. But I also feel like this show will is going to be a big one where the heels get their comeuppances in large part and that... The faces winning set up way more interesting things and title matches coming out of this. So I, I think Team Chiampa wins as we start the slow build to Chiampa versus uh, Adam Cole. My issue, like I, I think Undisputed Air has been in all all three war games so far, and I think they should be two and zero. I don't think they should have lost last year. Um, like I would have had them, this is me just armchair booking. Like I would have just had like, this should have been their match. I'm always a bigger fan of United teams beating, uh, you know, just kind of thrown together teams, even if those thrown together teams have a, a common goal. And that's why I think the the women's face team actually has a, a very strong claim to beat the women's heels team because the women's heels team is a thrown together team and not some united group. Undisputed Era, obviously a very united group. And I think if, you know, Undisputed Era had won last year, losing this year would have almost felt like a bigger deal because they would have been 2-0 and and then, you know, but Ciampa gets his guys together and he proves like he's a great leader and he's back for a vengeance coming after Adam Cole and just trying to take out all of Undisputed Era and it just would have felt bigger. You know, now if Undisputed Era loses, it's like, okay, they're 1-2 and two in these matches. Like some some group, like you're, you're supposed to be this dominant group and you just keep getting beaten by these thrown together teams. So uh, I, I think Undisputed Era 
should win. I don't think they will win because especially if like Morrison's coming back, you're probably not beating him on your first night in there. Champa, you have no reason to beat him. You can beat Dajakovic and, and to an extent Keith Lee, but yeah, the the face team will probably win. I'm just I'm a big believer in just like booking a, a strong heel group. And I know that's weird to say, okay, they've got all the titles. Like they're obviously strong. But I'm a big believer in just like booking a, a really strong heel group like this to to win these uh multi-man matches like gimmick matches like a war games and then so when they do finally lose it feels bigger but they've already lost so the face team will probably win fair enough and i don't totally disagree with you i would have liked for them to win last year too i thought it made more sense but um yeah because especially if they they're on that like two-year run and then their champions this year like you said if they get beat Excuse me. If they keep, get beat this year, then it, it does mean more. But unfortunately, I I guess they weren't planning a whole year ahead, Jeremy. Yeah, probably not. And I mean, I get that. It's tough to plan a whole year ahead. But at the same time, if this is your dominant heel group, <laughs> you probably knew you weren't breaking up Undisputed Era anytime soon. So you could have, you know, you could have had them win. Fair enough. So that is NXT TakeOver War Games, which takes place Saturday night. And obviously we'll have reviews up on the site and all that good stuff. And uh, now we have to move on to the Survivor Series, Jeremy, which is going to be slightly trickier since we don't know all the fucking competitors. Yeah, this will be fun. (laughs) But we will do what we can with what we have. Uh, let's start off with the NXT title match. I think we are both going with Pete Dunne, right? Facing Adam Cole? Yes. Okay. Uh, I will say that I guess the kind of good news is that I think that Pete Dunne is obviously great enough that I think they can create drama in a possible title change. And the other thing is, is if here's the thing that probably won't work, though. If you actually had a good fucking commentary team, now, I, you know, Morrow and Nigel can be really good at times, and hopefully they hammer this home. If they would hammer home the fact that Adam Cole just worked a ladder match in war games and has been working a crazy schedule and faced Seth Rollins and Daniel Bryan this month and all this shit, you could tell a good story about him possibly losing the title and being, you know, worn out and injured and all that shit. I just don't have a lot of hope in them doing it. So I guess hopefully my best shot is that we get a really great 15-minute match here because, uh, again, they don't need 30. Just give them 15. Let them do their shit. Probably a great match. Adam Cole retains unless he ends up bang- more banged up than we thought and they pull a last-minute title change. Uh, yeah, I, I think Adam Cole retains as well for those same reasons. And, yeah, unless he is banged up and if he is then he probably shouldn't be working all these damn matches in the first place so i'm gonna assume if he's good enough to work all these matches he, he's good enough to not uh or to, to retain the title here yeah and hopefully he doesn't get like hurt in war games because that would be absolutely horrible yes and like i'm not trying to be i'm like very serious i don't want the guy to get hurt anymore because they they've they're they've pushed him schedule wise man it's just I want risky. the guy to I want the guy to get out of this weekend unscathed and then 
literally not wrestle again until the the NXT takeover whatever rumble weekend. Yeah, seriously, I think he's earned some time off. Yeah. Next up is a Women's Survivor Series match. This is what we know. Team SmackDown is Sasha Banks, Carmella, Dana Brooke, Nikki Cross, and Lacey Evans. Team Raw is Charlotte, Natalia, Asuka, Kairi Zane, and Sarah Logan. Team NXT is probably Dakota Kai. Vortex Mystery. Yeah, Mystery Vortex. Yeah. I'd assume Dakota Kai. I'm thinking it's... I I don't know. I'm thinking it's Kai Ripley... Knox. I, I think it's the the babyface team from War Games along with the Kodakai. I mean, that would make sense. So that that's my best guess. Yeah. Uh so who do you have winning then? Sasha Banks. Team Sasha Banks, okay. Yeah. Fair I think enough. Sasha Banks has a I think Banks and Cross as as the survivors. Alright, fair enough. Uh, then next up, Team SmackDown, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, Ali, Chad Gable, and King Corbin, uh, versus Team Raw, which is Seth Rollins, Randy Orton, Ricochet, Kevin Owens, and Drew McIntyre, versus Mystery Vortex, NXT Team. NXT Team is going to be Keith Lee, Ciampa, I, I think it's, again, And the, the Forgotten the, Sons! And the Forgotten Sons. <laughs> God, <laughs> I th- I think it's going to be the again the the babyface Survivor Series team along with CM Punk. Uh, I I don't know who the who the fifth guy will end up being. The the Triple H thing like makes sense even though no one wants it. But after he like adamantly denied that he you know doesn't want that spot. It would look really bad if he ends up in that match. Like just the optics of of saying, and I get it's pro wrestling, like it's a work. You guys lie all the time and stuff. But if you're gonna deny that much, like, and then even put over like you know NXT is the future. You know I like I don't want this stuff. And then come out there and be in the match. It, it's not a good look. So I don't think it'll be him. I, I think it'll be the babyface team and um and Finn Balor. The, the babyface team, or Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle, yeah, why not Matt Riddle? So whoever the babyface team is at, uh, at Survivor, at Team Ciampa and, and Matt Riddle. That, that's my pick. Yeah, this is going to be a really pain in the ass for me to do a written preview for, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, that actually sounds good to me. Uh, who is taking the win, then? Jeez. Um, Shorty G is the sole survivor. Fair enough. No, nah, I think Team Raw will win. Uh, Seth, and Team NXT wins. You know what? Fuck it. Team Champa, Champa, Champa is the sole survivor. I think that Team Raw, um, Raw may win. I think because uh, uh, fucking King Corbin is going to screw Roman Reigns. Yeah, I don't think it'll be Team SmackDown, especially if the women's Team SmackDown wins. Like, I haven't done the 
math on oh okay well smackdown has this many nxt has this many raw has this many not i don't even think they're gonna even try to like make it equal anyway like they did the one year where i can raw won everything anyway so um yeah I, I i haven't done the math to try to figure out who needs to win matches based on who i think is gonna win these other matches i nxt is going to win something like i don't think they're gonna be completely shut out this feels like a i mean it it would be big establishment if they win this match that features Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. Yeah, I'd definitely love to see them win the match. I just I'm not sold on them doing it. That's why if Triple H is in there, we know they're winning. That's, that, right. that's why Triple H is going to be in the damn match. He's like, listen, I had to guarantee victory. You all know what I mean. Uh, next up, AJ Styles versus Roderick Strong versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, this one is like a match with a wide berth of potential. It could either be like perfectly solid and flat or it could be really great. Um, I think Roddy's excellent has been one of the most consistent guys for like the last 10 years as far as top tier performances go. AJ can still be great, but I think some of his recent matches have lacked to me. But like I mentioned before, uh, the good news is that when he was working with Riddle in NXT, he seemed to have a fire lit under his ass. And I hope that uh, working with Roddy will kind of bring that fire and motivation back because they've worked together, obviously, in the past. Uh, Nakamura is a dude. He's living on past accolades, getting by on charisma as he enters early retirement. And yeah, I don't totally blame the guy. He got a nice payday to come over here, but he's just surfing and making money. Hopefully, again, Roddy can light a fire under his ass because when Nakamura wants to, he can still be good. Um, I think this, it'd probably be at least good, kind of looking forward to it. I envision the end doing the big breakdown spot. Roddy hits the end of Heartache on Nakamura, and then Styles dumps him and steals the win, so I'm going with AJ Styles. Just book the match for the company. Yeah, I, I think AJ wins as well. I don't know if that's how the finish is going to play out, but I think AJ I already win. booked the finish, Jeremy. It's in. Okay. Hey, and if you and if that's how the finish plays out, then you can take a, a big old victory lap. Aren't all these guys heels? I just thought about that. Like, aren't aren't all these guys heels? Uh, somebody's got to work, baby. Roddy's somehow. a face in my heart. Okay, he's fine. That's fine. Okay, sure. I mean, they're all faces in my heart. I love all three of these guys. I think it'll be good, and I, I will largely credit Roderick Strong for it being good. Not that AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura are bad. They're obviously not. But Strong is going to come in there, like you said, and he is going to work his ass off. And that, I think, AJ will definitely try to match that level. Nakamura, I don't know where his head is at nowadays. I'm with you that he just feels like, eh, I'm so surfing collecting paychecks i'm good um so not much surfing going on in chicago so maybe he'll be cold and bitter and ready to work as well next up we have our battle of tag teams the viking raiders versus the new day versus undisputed era just gonna get this out of the way i like the new day and they usually deliver on pay-per-view i fucking hate that the revival got taken out of this match because i think that that was a much stronger match with them in it yeah, I, I agree, um, but at least the Revival don't have to lose because I think they would have lost if they were in this match. Well, I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, I think this will still be really good. It may even be great. Um, and I'm going to actually go with Undisputed Era picking up the win here, pinning the New Day. Um, 
Okay. I, I could see it again. NXT's got to win at, at some point, I would think. And this match makes sense. I, I think the New Day are taking the loss as well because I don't think they want to. I mean, they beat the, the OC, beat the Viking Raiders. So I, they, they're not like super into protecting the Viking Raiders anymore, which is kind of a shame. They should have been protected a little bit more. New Day, like they're New Day. They're going to remain over regardless. Undisputed Era, like they're they're really rolling. And I, I wouldn't ha- I wouldn't beat them um, in this match. So I, I'm. I'm cool with Undisputed Era winning. I think it'll be a good match. Revival, yeah, sure. It probably would have been better with them, but I still think it'll be really good. Moving on to the women's match, uh, NXT UK excluded. Uh, Bailey, Becky Lynch, and Shayna Baszler. I um, I do like this match. think it has a lot of potential. And um, my fucking computer is throwing up like 18 windows of shit for some reason. Anyway, um... You went anyway. to PW Insider. <laughs> no, no, no. No, my, my, I don't need computer aids. Um, I'm good. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think the best part is they all bring like a different style. Obviously, it's uh, heel heavy with Bailey and Shayna in there. And the thing is, like, they focus so heavily on Becky versus Shayna as the 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 big stars of the match. And I do think it is a big singles match down the line. That leads me to believe that Bailey's going to sneak away with the win somehow to show that she's not the irrelevant one that she's been kind of booked as. I just figured Bailey's taking the loss here because they're still protecting Shayna. You could you could have a almost a cheap victory on Becky and Becky will be okay, but I would worry about doing that too often. Like they did it with a uh, Oscar and in, in that tag team match, and especially if uh, Becky and Charlotte are going to challenge for the women's tag team titles at the next pay per view. Like you really don't want to. Um, uh, you, you really don't want to have Becky losing and and this one either. So that's the tough thing about these champion versus champion versus champion matches. Like a champion has to lose, and I'm not a fan of just champions losing random matches. And this is certainly a a random match. Um, even even if the build has been fine, I I figure Bailey is <laughs> taking the loss though. All right, well, we we shall see what happens. I, I I actually think that like, it feels like one of those situations they set up to make you think she's automatically losing, and then they're gonna be like, "Ha ha, we tricked you. She won." And it's kind of sure. how WWE books at times to me. So we'll yeah, see. I mean, you may be right. Sometimes she they be, she sometimes they set it up as. Um, she's going to lose or this person's going to lose and then they just fucking beat them. Yeah, it's weird. So we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, next up is The Fiend versus Daniel Bryan for the Universal Championship, which is now blue. Are we going to get blue lights now? <laughs> I hope they just get rid of those fucking lights altogether. Um, the I don't know with The Fiend. Like... On one hand, the match should be good because if you have a bad wrestling match with Daniel Bryan, then you should probably just retire. And Bryan even, like, he had that, that, like, Bray Wyatt's only good singles match uh, however many years ago at the, um, what was it, the the Royal Rumble? Yeah. Yeah, like, that that was literally the best Bray Wyatt singles match I, I can recall. So it's tough to have a bad match with Daniel Bryan. The problem is with this Fiend character, it 
he doesn't sell anything or he sells it for just a brief period of time. So it's tough to say like, yeah, this is going to be good because Brian might just beat the shit out of him and the fiend will just no sell it all and, and win. And if it goes on too long, the crowd's going to turn on it. It's, uh, I, I should be excited for a Daniel Bryan match and the, this fiend thing it's weird that in like what August it was the hottest thing it felt like in wrestling at SummerSlam and it's November three months later. My math sucks. Uh, three, three months later, I just don't care about this dude anymore. Yeah. It's these guys do have a history, but the match doesn't have any real build other than they decided they needed something for the fiend because they weren't doing the uh, champions in a triple threat. So they had him attack Daniel Bryan. And I guess the feeling was we need to give the fiend a really good match after two shitty matches with Seth Rollins. So who better to potentially do that than Daniel Bryan, the guy that gave him his only great singles match in WWE years ago. Unfortunately, it's like there was no deep planning to this because Daniel Bryan is Daniel Bryan, and I love the guy, but he was not booked in a position to be a world title challenger. And I hate to do this, but I mean, let's look at his last few TV losses to Eric Rowan, Buddy Murphy, and Adam Cole. And he's actually, like, lost eight of his last nine matches overall. So yeah, wins and losses don't matter in WWE. Well, I don't give a shit. They fucking matter to me, okay? <laughs> it's like, I'm sure, that's all I'm going to say, but someone, someone's going to tell me that it doesn't matter and it was the plan all along. And if it was, they did a fucking horrible job of setting up Brian for it. I think I definitely only, don't think it was the plan all along. I just, I've, and then this is WWE's fault, and I'm sorry if it comes off uh, like that. I, I don't care, but look, that this is what the product has done to me. They, they've hammered home that wins and losses don't matter. I agree with you. Like it, it's poor planning that you know maybe Daniel Bryan should beat some of these guys if he was about to challenge for the world title but uh that that shit just doesn't matter in their world buddy murphy beat daniel bryan and then was off television for like two months so it it just daniel bryan got attacked the fiend picked him as his next victim so the fiend doesn't care about these wins and losses he's looking for revenge uh for all those years ago where where bryan infiltrated the the wyatt family like i think in that sense that like the story does make sense because they're they're playing off of that history and the fiend never forgets and all this stuff but yeah to try to quantify this with wins and losses it just i'm not saying like you're being dumb for it but it just it just feels like it's all falling on deaf ears because they don't care about that shit yeah hopefully brian can get a good match here i mean if anybody can it's him the key will be to create some actual drama because the likelihood of the fiend losing seems to be absolutely zero. I mean, they're here to put him over more. I feel Brian can create the drama, but at some point you have to evolve the fiend past the guy that no sells 18 finishers and wins. He has to be something else. I think they need to keep this short because I really don't want to see Daniel Bryan hit 25 Busyko knees just for fucking the fiend to kick out. And they need to get rid of the red fucking lighting. The Fiend's gonna win, and I just hope it's passable. Yeah, this is like this is the issue of I'm not excited because the the Seth Rollins matches prove that you're just gonna beat the Fiend. Like it's tough to have a bad match with Daniel Bryan. The problem is Daniel Bryan's at his best when he's like playing an 
underdog and you know fighting back and stuff but if he's just gonna fight back and none of his shit's gonna be sold and there's really no drama then what what good is this daniel bryan match it's good shit pal that's what vince will tell you <laughs> uh so moving on to what i guess will be the main event of the night WWE champion Brock Lesnar versus Rey Mysterio in a no holds barred match now, which I do like that change. I do as well. I think it makes it gives Rey seemingly more of a chance because now he can use a bunch of weapons and it also makes Brock look like a potentially an even bigger killer because he can use a bunch of weapons. So I, I like the, the stipulation and I'm really looking forward to this match. The The build has been great for it. Brock is always good against these uh, smaller guys and obviously they don't come much smaller than Rey Mysterio. You know, Rey's going to bump his ass off. You know, Brock is going to toss him around and Brock's going to even, you know, he can sell for Rey, especially with, with weapons in there as well. I I feel like Brock likes working with Ray, um, and like I don't know any behind the scenes stuff, but Brock is usually very very willing to work with these uh, smaller guys because he knows that he can just toss them around, sell a little bit, and, and still come off as a, a complete monster. That and I think to some degree, I mean Brock does have an ego, and I think he does like going out and having the occasional banger and like. Working with like Seth and AJ and Brian and guys like that, he gets to do that, and then he gets to kind of chill and murder people in the meantime, like he did to Kofi. So I mean, I, I do like I, I like this match a lot. I think they transitioned into it out of the Kane versus Brock stuff and um, using the Dominic angle in it and everything. I thought they transitioned to it well. Ray has shown some really great fire and cut some really good promos during this. Uh, the attack with the pipe and stuff was uh, well done. Taking out Brock's knee. I like the transition to a no-holds-barred, no-DQ match because if played correctly, this could be really great because Brock is obviously a tremendous bully. Ray is always over despite the booking and is an all-time great babyface. I-, I don't see Ray winning because it just it's like they just put the title on Brock and all that, but like... At the end of the day, I think they could have a really great match here if they tell the right story, and I, I kind of think they will because Heyman is going to lay this match out. This is going to be a heavily influenced Heyman match, and not only does he try to do everything he can to present Brock the best, but Paul also has a ton of respect for Ray. So I think that we're going to get some potentially great stuff here. I'm actually very much looking forward to it. I have Brock retaining. I have Brock retaining as well, but I wouldn't be shocked if, if Ray honestly wins. Like Kane comes out, Dominic comes out. Uh, well, you I know, just that's, that's fair. Yeah, like I think you could possibly pull this off to Ray wins. He's obviously he's probably not going to hold the title very long or anything, but I I. I could see Ray winning. I don't think this is just a straightforward Brock wins next challenger. I, I could definitely see Ray winning. I think it's fair, dude. I I, I didn't really d- think about it as much with the people getting involved, but like that could very well play out well, and that does add another dynamic to it. And even if he loses, they could do the everybody tries to run in to kill the beast thing and just have that as a late part of the match. So that'll be interesting. But uh, yeah, very much looking forward to Bray, or Brock versus Ray. Yeah, it's probably the, uh, um, the the match I'm most looking forward to. Yeah. So Survivor Series, like, I'm, 
it's weird. I don't give a fuck about the stupid brand supremacy shit. But I am slightly more excited for the show than normal because of the NXT involvement. Because it feels a little bit fresh and everything. I just... I wish there were some stakes put on it. Uh, I've heard people come up with all kinds of stuff. Like, you know, trying to do, like, title unification stuff and bullshit like that. And there was another one. Someone said, like, um, the winning brand. Like, whoever wins the most matches at Survivor Series. Their brand gets, like, the last three to five spots in the Royal Rumble draw. Just something to, like add some kind of drama and stakes to it, which I would enjoy. I don't know what the exact answer is, but I would enjoy that more versus T-Shirt Wars 2019. Yeah, Corey Graves has said it. Ember Moon has said it. Like, you have people in the company, like, saying, attach stakes to this. And for some reason, like, they they just don't do it. And I I don't know why. I'm with you. Just, like... Give give that brand the the last spot in in the Royal Rumble. Give them you know they get the the big title match at WrestleMania. I think I think just the the Royal Rumble spots would be better and like it's something. And then these all these people competing have a reason to to really care about this. Like oh, if I win this match for my brand, there's a chance that. I could get the the 30th spot in the Royal Rumble. That gives me the best shot at winning and going to WrestleMania and whatever. Like otherwise, it's just we're just brand supremacy. Like Corey Graves really took him to kind of task over this. Is like, does anybody Good. associate with a brand? Like honestly, does anybody like? Do you have a team Raw shirt that you wear out like it's your your favorite football team? Or something like that. Like, oh, I fucking hate SmackDown and NXT. Like, I'm Team Raw. Like, no one thinks about it like that. There is no brand support. Like, no one no one cares about that stuff. Fans don't care about that stuff. Give stakes that are, you know, tangible and something that, that matters. Yeah, it would be nice. And again, it's not like we're we're not asking for them to reinvent the fucking wheel. We're just asking for a viable reason to care about this show. Yeah, it's because, like, brand supremacy doesn't do jack shit for anybody. Seriously, it's t-shirt wars. It's, yeah, so I'm kind of over it. But I, I'm looking, like I said, I'm looking forward to it more than I do most years. And I think it will be hopefully a good show. I think War Games will probably be a great show because takeovers pretty much always deliver. So a good weekend on tap, I think, Jeremy. Yeah, I mean, it should be, it should be really good. I mean... It's takeovers always good. Survivor Series, it can be hit and miss, I guess, but uh, like many WWE pay per views. But the inclusion of NXT makes it feel a little bit different. Um, so yeah, it should it should be uh, another fun weekend. Survivor Series will probably be a little bit too long, but Takeover will be awesome. Yeah. So that will wrap us up for today. I want to thank everybody for listening. This is the four one one on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe and share the show around. Follow us and uh, all that good stuff. Leave us a five-star review. Jeremy, you got anything you want to plug before we go? Everyone, go to Fightful.com and read the oral history of Soul Train Jones. I talked with Sammy Guevara, Proud and Powerful, Chris Jericho, Britt Baker, 
Hangman Page, Joey Janela. Joey Janela was the one who brought Soul Train Jones to AEW. He's the only person who has Virgil's number still, which shouldn't shock anybody. Uh, it was it was really fun to to do. So I was I'm really proud of that piece, and I hate pretty much everything I do, but I liked that one. And you, you follow me kinda, on Twitter. You do kind of hate everything you do, so I'm glad that you like that. Dude, I I literally hate like 99% of what I write. Like I I think I'm good at what I do. I take a lot of pride in my work, um, but I still hate 99% of what I churn out. The, this was one where I had a lot of fun, and uh, yeah. And anytime I can be, you know me. Anytime I can be like super wacky with stuff, that's where I feel like I produce my best work. And this obviously asking everyone about Soul Train Jones was was super wacky so yeah it, it was it was good and yeah so everyone check that out if you want please sounds fantastic so that'll wrap us up for today again thank you guys have a good week